Conversate Trans is an intergenerational podcast series exploring trans culture. The podcast, developed by the Sterlings Collective with funding from Create in collaboration with Tenny, with continued participation of the trans community, explores invisible histories and culture through intergenerational dialogue and archival materials. Having worked closely with members of the trans community over the last two years, the collective recognized the need for intergenerational dialogue and community care for trans people, and this podcast aims to be one part of this. Hi, I'm Jules. And I'm Alexandra. And this is another episode of Conversate Trans. And today, our very special guest is Greta from Small Trans Library Dublin. So would you like to introduce yourself and tell us what object you brought? Sure. So uh, my name's Greta, she, her pronouns. I have been with the library since uh, late 2019. Uh, Been bopping away and doing things. Uh, So the thing I brought today for the big event was uh, a top. Uh, So it's a shirt, kind of a mesh top. Uh, It's got cherubs on it. It's a very pretty thing. I got it at Urban Outfitters in Amsterdam in 2018, and I wear it for everything. The reason I brought it today was because... um, So I went to my first event for the Small Trans Library back in 2019, even though I've been running since 2017. And I had just gotten back from the Netherlands. And I didn't have much friends at the time. And I was like... I saw somebody post a thing being like, oh, there's a book club on the Small Trans Library. I was like, that sounds fun. And I went. And it's just been a cool top. And it's just something I remember very, I associate with that time. Yes, it sounds lovely. That's a lovely top. And got it for 15 euro. And I have never lived it down <laughs> as a good goodbye. So kind of... Uh, just relates to that like time when you kind of found yourself i guess right like are you community yeah i mean i it's funny when i so i had been gone to my erasmus to the netherlands back in late 20, 20, 2018 and basically it was kind of i hadn't been out as trans yet and i just left as like uh kind of to find myself being like, here's a space where like I can be out and figure it out. And so I found a community there and then I came back to Ireland after a year's time. And, you know, it took me time to find a space, find people that like saw me as trans, saw me as who I wanted to be seen as. And this library event was a kind of the start of like finding community, you know? Um, and from that point on, that was, you know, I found, developed friendships, I developed community, I developed just something that I could get behind, you know? And we haven't exactly explained, but what, I guess, does the small trans library, small trans library do? Oh my God. Oh God, is there anything we don't do? I mean, the name small trans library is a bit misleading at this point. So small trans library is a, well, first and foremost, it's a lending library. So we buy books and then we send it out to people over COVID, primarily, we've been sending it out by a post. And if when you want, when you're done with the book, you send it back. And there's no fixed date for how long you can have it for. Just if somebody else asks for the book, we'll send out posted money and you send it back to us. Um, so that's one thing. We're also a, we also do a grocery fund, which is a mutual aid support network, basically, where um, if you're tied in cash for rent money, bills, etc. We, uh, you know, we'll send out some cash, just message on our social media and we send it out to you we also do events we also we we do things like book clubs we do day outs at parks and whatnot uh we do fundraisers we do literally anything and everything <laughs> um and we're based both mainly in dublin but we're also based in glasgow with a new branch being set up in wales and a few more kind of in the works so small is the most misleading name we can have at this point but it's our founding name we just stuck with it well, it's like small is in the sense of like you have a very set mission. Well, I guess you could just say help trans people. Is that small mission? And it's such like a wide branching idea, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, I guess the, the idea behind kind of mission, the word small was always that it was grassroots, that we don't, oh, yeah. we're not supported by any other organization. We're not state funded or anything like that. We very much are community based. We you know, we only have like 10 volunteers putting in, you know, hours, what we can and just kind of making what we want. And really we're not 
trying to make anything organized. We're just doing things we want to do for the for our community. And you know, I guess if you wanted to be strict about what small means in the most vague meaning you could come up with, that's probably what I would say. Is it just books that are like you know, like trans or queer or is it uh not really. I mean anything we think that would effectively be interesting for trans readers. We have a lot of stuff that's like LGB, not necessarily always T. Uh, we have zines, we have stuff that's just written by folks, we have we buy published works. Um, you know, it's a very vague, like very broad catalog. We have, uh, you know, it's available to check out on our website or on our links through our social media. So smalltranslibrarydublin.org, no, smalltranslibrary.org, I think. I'd have to double check, check. that. <laughs> it's okay. We'll fill it in later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have a favorite? favorite oh my god zine or book that you just love to recommend to people oh god okay no um is there anything god honestly i've been like reading so much lately that i have no idea what even to pick i mean i guess a good starting point with it because i've mostly been reading stuff alongside for stuff for book clubs we've been doing recently so recently we've done ones on decent detransition baby by Name is blanking on my. Name. It's Tori oh. Peters. Tori Peters. I had that's it, but the I one. didn't read it yet. It's very good. I highly recommend it. We also did one. I think for my personal favorite, I think would have to be Lote by Sholopan Reinhold. Um, beautiful book. It's um, the author actually won uh, an award at the Edinburgh Book Festival a couple of weeks ago, which was absolutely oh. amazing. Um, totally deserved. It's a fantastic book. I would love to recommend to people, and you know. One of the, you know, Shola is definitely one of those authors we hope to interview one day. Speaking of which, we're also doing an interview series um, on a lot of these books as well. So uh, back to <laughs> linking both. Um, one of the big things we're hoping to do both an interview and the book club on. Well, we've done the interview, never mind. Um, but we hope to do a book club on is on transgender Marxism, uh, written by Jules, Jules Duane Gleason and Ella Rourke, which was fantastic kind of theory-based, very accessible work about you know, Marxism and transgender identity, but a lot of different broader topics. Um, that's another thing we absolutely love. And one of our librarians, Fia Tuberty, recently interviewed the authors and, well, not the authors, the editors. Um, and amazing interview. I highly recommend listening to them. Basically, and we all have these books ready to go. And if you can't find anything there, we'll buy them for you, basically, and we'll send them out. Okay, yes, and let us let us know at smalltranslibrary.org. So you can find all of those Thank wonderful <laughs> things at that website. God, I'm so not tech savvy, so <laughs> it all goes over my head. <laughs> well, I was wondering, because, like, I'm not going to put this on you if you don't know, but I feel like zines, I've only heard, like, queer or trans people talk about zines. And I'm like, ugh, are zines just, like, inherently queer? There's a very strong queer history with scenes. I mean, I don't know the ins and outs of it. Okay, yeah. Other librarians would know a lot more about it. It's not really something I've had much exposure with. And it has been something library had used to talk about a fair bit. We haven't followed up on it for a while, but certainly when we the library was first founded in 2017, scenes were the main focus and we still have a huge collection of scenes on our website. You know, a bunch of stuff, you know, from both the UK and Ireland and I think one of our librarians is coming over from the US who bought up a bunch of zines as well. So, you know, it's the library verse itself is very much founded on, on kind of that kind of communal sort of environment. I think because transness and queerness is so fundamentally, you know, you know, grassroots and kind of very much kind of doesn't get mainstream attention that often zines and kind of that sort of media are pretty much the best way for kind of the queer community to spread their word between one another. And, you know, like I said, the library have a long history with this. We've been working on this sort of subject for a long time. It's only recently that we've really gotten into published works and kind of larger kind of mainstream works. So it's an interesting topic. Definitely something worth looking into and talking with someone who might know more. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just wondering if you personally knew anything about it. But yeah, I do think it's just the accessibility of scenes as well is something because like, I guess when you think about to the 60s and so, that would have been even more difficult than it is now to be like a trans or queer person with like a lots of money. Exactly. I mean, like even today, like it's still, especially yeah. zines are just such an accessible thing where you don't, 
you just make it and share it and just that's pretty much the end of it you know it's it's something we do hope to get back into because you have had people suggesting ideas for like different zines they want to do and that will be printed by the library and that might still happen one day it's still work in progress but it's yeah. i was gonna say um i do feel like a lot of the queer stuff that i'm very interested in like very indie like same kind of grassroots um i don't know for me it's because i feel like the queer community is more focused on making something that's worthwhile and like you you know that thing in school where they kind of tell you to like write 500 words in an mm-hmm. essay well it's something that you can explain in 200 um i kind of get that kind of feeling if that makes sense like like a lot of kind of yeah. more mainstream stuff is just fleshed out for the sake of you know we need that 90 minutes to make a movie so we can charge premium excuse you i will not let this slander be brought against 90 minute movies but well, I mean, if they need to be 90 minutes it's like fine well, some do like if a book long. needs to be like a book but like if it just needs to be a zine or you know i just think there's like a lot of credit for like just just having things that are what's the word short and concise concise yeah that's that's the word wait can i just ask like who thought of the library like, oh god that's a or for is me, it just that's like, oh, we don't know. We're just like, we're now all in it. Oh, it's a and very, very thing. vague history. Okay, so, okay, yeah. So, like I said, it started in 2017 um, with a set of librarians that have moved on, gone to some people of the original members moved to Glasgow. Some are in the periphery. It's a lot of people going in and out. Um, but it was originally kind of founded, like I said, kind of more kind of a workshoppy sort of project thing. So they were. So I believe they were entered in some festivals, kind of doing a little bit of like sharing books and whatnot in person, discussing just kind of things about reading and writing as a queer and trans person in our own, kind of just kind of, you know, much more loose kind of stuff. Um, And that original membership have moved a lot to Glasgow, a lot kind of about the place. And even the current members of the Dublin branch anyway are, are all basically, I think, around, joined around 2019 or uh, in and around that time um you know i'm not sure if a lot of the trans readers know this but like it's been a bit of a hiatus among trans folks and queer folks to glasgow in the recent years hence why we have our membership uh over there as well mainly because just people just left and decided you know let's just keep doing stuff here and so now we're just split between two and our new library with new members of staff have you know uh, brought our, our own skills, you know. So we, you know, the Glasgow branch with their original founding, us who come on with like different experience of more published arenas of the, the you know, the, the readers, the literary world, I suppose. Um, you know, people who have more experience with kind of graphic design and whatnot. Uh, people have like managing social media, PR stuff, you know. It's, you know, <laughs> it's funny how much we've changed over the years, especially you know, we bring in, you know, constantly, every time there's a new librarian leaving, because they're going on to other better things, or another person comes in who's young and finding the community all over again, and just, library is very kind of organic in that way, where we, people come in, come out, we lose a lot of history because, you know, a whole chunk of people will leave, but it's, uh, it's very in and out, and I, it's one of the things I love, of course. When trying to discuss the history for a podcast, it's a little more more difficult. No, I think it is interesting how it doesn't seem to be like a set thing where there's like, we know this person did it. And it is like a collective effort to create a whole, like, I want to say legacy. I don't <laughs> like, a, I don't even want to say safe space because I hate that word, but just, I guess, a good organization. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of our kind of, it's always been kind of our kind of goal to keep be keeping it non-hierarchical. Yeah. And one thing we've always had to kind of a, as our even when i first joined our idea of like the library for itself was like it's it sounds a bit nihilistic i suppose but like you know it's library falls apart and everyone leaves or like if you know if something bad happens it's like whatever big zeal we, we try not to kind of think oh overthink our policies and too much too much like or you know well of course we do make sure that everyone's staying safe and of course if we're organizing the event we're very cautious of that but in terms of like, say if something is a bit morally dubious, whether we should do this or not, but we think overall would help the community, we're going to do it because 
frankly, that's kind of how our politics works. And frankly, we our only goal is to kind of use this as a platform to do things that are going to help people, uh, help our community. And I think we've been doing good so far. I think we've been growing at a crazy fast rate, you know. Um, it's funny, uh, we always get told by people that like, wow, the library looks so professional. You're doing so many organized things. They're all your social media. It's so pristine. And yet it's so, the background, it's all just a bunch of volunteers checking in stuff into like one another and being like, hey, I want to do this. Okay, let's just throw stuff together last minute and see how it comes together, what sticks. And uh, it's been fun. It's been a challenge during COVID, especially trying to figure out how to run this organization on a kind of like, you know, kind of in a kind of a distance learning level, because especially when I joined, um, it was always kind of in person. We used to go have meetings at a house, outhouse on Cable Street. Cable, it is Cable Street, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we used to have meetings every month or every couple of months. We used to do, they used to do reading and writing workshops and stuff. Um, and that was kind of how we were used to running things. So when we, we had to switch to online, it was a completely day, different way of working things. And I think for the first couple of months, we wound up just kind of working on a minimal level, especially since we're a volunteer run. So we can only do as much as our energy is able to, because we also have, we're also students, we're also full-time employees. We're also, you know, we, we can only put so much time in. And it took, of course, COVID itself threw a lot of spanners and worked for a lot of people. And it was only after a couple of months that we were like, Let's try doing things again. Let's try learning and adapting to this sort of online environment and seeing what we can do. And as we, time went on, we got better at it. And yeah, it's now that things are starting to open up again, it's another challenge being like, oh God, we got to meet people again. Fuck. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so you did have like, was it a picnic or something? Yeah, it was a small towns that day out. Yeah, that's been part of our kind of more like, Things are opening up again. We start doing okay, yeah. communal. I guess it's events. like outside as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's been funny about that. We were, they're always a bit of a mess that every time we're like, who's bringing the food? Who's got everything ready? Who's bringing the books? I don't know. I don't know. And we're all running around to get those chickens. Um, but everything, every single time we've done it so far, I think we've done it three or four times, I think now. I think three. Um, um, and every time it's, Turnout has been fantastic. It's been a maybe like 30 plus at every single one so far. It's been absolutely amazing. It's fantastic also because we always bring our books and it's our, it, we always say it's kind of like our big moment to give away all the books so we don't have to carry as much home with us because we don't really have a center base for keeping our books. It's always just kind of kept at people's houses. And, uh, you know, the more we table take, the less we have to stir away. So we're just like, yeah. Um, it kind of makes it difficult to keep track of who has what, but, um, you know, better for the books to be in the wild, you know? Yeah. It's like, this book is somewhere. Like, one of us has it. We will find it for you. Don't yeah. worry. That's like, sure. If it disappears, just buy another one. We grant. Um, of course, we try not to because we are donation-driven. Okay, yeah. And of course, yeah. we got to protect the money somehow. But we've been okay for that so far. We didn't... Lilith and Alicia were wondering, I guess, would... They'd like to know about the exodus of trans folks to Glasgow. Like, is there a reason for specifically Glasgow? Um, just it's affordable. That's kind of the main thing. It wasn't any kind of. It was just kind of individuals made that decision over time. Just be like, you know, we're all Dubliners, really. Most of us kind of are we're Dublin based, you know, um, mm-hmm. and Dublin naturally, not just Dublin, but all of Ireland has been growing very quickly to be unaffordable and you know i think same yeah. same story in limerick and other big towns where just people have been leaving and you know the glasgow branch was basically formed out of a lot of like you know people trying to escape that and just coming together and being like look this is still a need over there in in glasgow as well so we got to bring it together and the glasgow branch has been doing really well as well like where we do very much different projects at times like um, I think they also recently had a, or at least are going to have, I forget when it's on, but they were doing like kind of a self-defense class, um, which apparently is coming along very well. And they're trying to get us to do it too. So if there's enough interest, we might oh. look into doing that as well. Um, but, you know, we are very much sister organizations. We always do work together because like I said, a lot of the founding members are over there at the minute. And it's, you know, we work very closely, very closely together all the time. and. You know, it's lovely to have. It's lovely to have 
different branches working you know together because yeah you know it's kind of has a kind of a community kind of a network feeling to it you know it's like oh how are you guys doing and it's so you know especially it's kind of funny right before um right before the pandemic hit i had booked tickets to go over to glasgow to like visit them and be like hey guys how are you guys doing here's what we're doing and like this was in march right before lockdown happened like the week i was supposed to fly out and uh yeah didn't get to do it and it's uh as soon as flights open up i'm over there pretty much because i haven't got to see them in ages i think flights have or is it october i you can probably make your way over but i'm trying to be like okay yeah careful you know yeah better say sorry oh yeah i guess so you're right you don't get like covid because like oh Um, what is it right air those yes i don't trust god let's say speaking of community care i know that you do work with like community organizations in nigeria like you're doing one right now for creme de la creme in nigeria did i get that right that is perfect yes in most state i think in southwest nigeria if i remember right yeah Yeah, so we've been running a lot of campaigns and fundraisers primarily t-shirt sales that's what i'm trying to say um a lot of different stuff um it does not get it doesn't get as much attention as our um you know our fundraise as our grocery fund or our books um but it's something we've always tried to push and i think we've raised about four thousand euro let me double check how much we've given to them so far um how much they've raised in there they have a gofundme account that yeah, you can access through yeah both on our twitter and our instagram it's all across there and we very much encourage people to donate because it's yeah. something that you know, it's very much needed. And they're the kind of work they're doing over there is really important. You know, they're providing, they're building a safe house. They're, you know, much like the Small Trans Library, they're very much kind of trying to bring people together in a safe space, especially in Nigeria, where, you know, we often forget in Ireland and across, you know, Europe, we're kind of privileged. You know, we don't have to worry about the state coming after us in such a harsh degree or, you know, for the minute at least, Ireland is relatively a paradise you know it's, it's yeah. not unquestionably it's not, it's it's not. Like, but relatively speaking yeah you know we can like only imagine negligence is better than like a harassment like yeah. targeted harassment exactly so you know i do encourage people like if you can spare funds to them please do because it's something that you know it's hard to fundraise for because understandably because the small trans library stuff we do is affect people in a much more tangible way it's like i get something from this but it's a lot more difficult to say here are these people over there who are struggling in a much it's much difficult much more difficult to fundraise for that and you know there's a lot of social scientific studies that say these similar things and it's it's true you know it's not as easy to get money for and that's why we always try to push it more than anything else Mm -hmm. i was just saying that it's obviously great that i from what I read, it's like the third safe house in Nigeria that they're hoping to like fund. And I know it is harder because it's not a tangible thing for a lot of like Irish and like UK based trans people to be like, oh, this is like another con- continent away. But I do think it's great what you're doing. And it's like really important that we have like global like access to trans healthcare. And it's really important we include other countries and continents absolutely like african the country nigeria i don't want people to think that i think nigeria is the continent i know it's a country <laughs> in africa uh yeah but it's you know i think the big thing you know we see the kind of first world privilege especially yeah. recently with you know the covid vaccines you know it's um you know there's no denying we have a privilege here you know and mm-hmm. it's just something we've got to keep in mind especially as community groups you know we're as you know as we do a lot of our activism work and it benefits our friends but it's also reaching out to those and fighting for those who are across the pond who don't get that don't get the advantages that come with living in a society that has capitalism on its side basically yeah we're like what do they call us are we a tax haven? I think we're a tax haven. <laughs> Not to want to say that. <laughs> like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like a tax haven or if it's more like... 
I was so nice I think to a be. tax haven is probably something you put in the newspaper to incentivize big corporations to come here. Yeah, the home of foreign direct investment, yeah. I think, is the word. No, I think, actually, I think some, uh, I, I vaguely remember this, I think we get funds from America to be cheap for corporations so then American-based corporations can base here and pay low taxes, but we still get money and that that's something like that. Okay, let's say we don't know for sure. It sounds like <laughs> yeah, that so- we should check, but let's ask about you, Greta girl. Let's move into the personal. Oh God! All right. Um, <laughs> what do you need to know? <laughs> Only the musts. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. Um, like, what are you um, wait, like? We need to, we need to know your mother's maiden name. Credit <laughs> 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 card number. <laughs> Um, no, um, so I guess from about myself, I guess I'm a, you know, like I said, library since 2019, but I've been a, I'm primarily a student at the moment. I did my undergrad in social sciences, in sociology, and, um, oh, I forget the other part of my undergrad. It's a very weird name. They changed it throughout the thing. Yeah. It's something to do with communication sciences, basically. I'll I'll call it that. Um, information social computing. That's the one. Anyway, um, but now I'm doing a law degree, so that's kind of my main focus, because I want to do legal end of supporting the queer community as it all looks. So that's the dream, but it's a long road, and I'm only just starting it, so. Yes, my first thought was, like, how to get away with murder, but that is not the path you shall be taking. (laughs) Well, I don't know yet. I mean, who knows? Um, You know, some sort of Fancy pants gonna be fighting for the good fight, but don't know what that's gonna look like yet. But yeah, I mean, beyond that for myself, I mean, well, that uh, does sound like a lot. I don't think. We want to oh like- God, you have no idea how much I'm doing at the minute. Yeah. I so much. I've got. I've been asked to write an article today for another thing, and I'm just turning it down left, right, and center because I've got so much to do on my plate. And college is starting back, and. You know, as for, of course, right now, I'm also trying to find a place to live at the minute. I'm, of course, with the Dublin shortage of housing and stuff and the rent's yeah. going crazy. I'm caught up right in the middle of it all right now. And, uh, you know, especially with, like, college announcing that everyone's coming back and everyone's going to be back in college. Everyone's chasing for a place to live. And right now it's pandemonium. I could see it, in fact, you know, in the past couple of weeks. For first first while, I was getting a few people messaging me like, oh, here's a viewing here. Here's a viewing there. And now you look at any kind of like Facebook page for housing, it is just pages upon pages upon pages of people just looking for rooms and people selling are just selling for crazy amounts and anything that's affordable. We're all in it at at the same time, you know, it's It's all, uh, it's all totally artificial. Like Ireland is one of the smallest, was it this, I think it was this maybe, except for maybe like likes of Greenland and Iceland. I think Ireland has the lowest density population of any European country. Yeah. And it, it's literally just because, like, hardest working people in the world. The, um, oh god, I forgot the name. The joke would have been funnier. Uh, just edit this to fix it when I remember the word. <laughs> the people who own, be one of our shorter episodes. Yeah, what, what's the name of the people who own, uh, all the buildings and rent them out? What, landlords? Yes, hardest working <laughs> people in the world, landlords. Fuck um, the landlords. Oh shit, I keep knocking Yes, exactly. Landlords be bitches. We want to make that clear. I, yeah. Uh, go their heads. That's all I'm going to say. Um, they, they charge you like half your half your like income for a shitty one bed, like bedroom, like two by three meters. Oh God, I have seen many a bad place um, in my time looking around the past couple of months. It's uh, it's interesting. Um, it's what they can get away with, you know? Um, of course. Sorry. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's interesting. And, you know, it's, of course, like I said, the Glasgow hiatus is a big example of that, that people just can't afford it. And especially for queers, you know, one of the big things I hate about searching for places is there's a lot of places that are like, you know, females only or males only or queer friendly in the most vague terms. And it's, as a trans person, it's so tough to navigate that, you know, as, you know, what do you say? What? Where do you belong? What? Like, this isn't something I faced so much this year. But I remember when I first started looking for places a couple of years ago. This that was very prevalent, and you know, people will say they're queer friendly, but you know, 
you know, there's kind of one of those privileges of passing or being cis-normative in a way, you know? It's it sucks. That's very true. And it always worries me when I hear it, because I always think, like, like, I don't know, I've seen places where it's, like, an older man looking for, like, a girl to say, like, a place for a woman, and I'm a bit like, that sounds a bit sus, like, creepy. It sounds, and I don't know if it's meant to be creepy, but it sounds creepy. Yeah, I've yeah. seen those sort of openings before. It's mm. No, I think in most of those are creepy. They're, like, um... <gasps> I think I saw one was like, we'll share a bed. So it's not like oh. it is being undercover. It's Belaine in its, well, his, this one, desire to like have a young woman in his house. And it's like, oof. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's on Grinder here, but I often see hope advertisements on there for a room available. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. What's that room going to be like? Uh. <laughs> like the whole profile. Pink. Of, like, the cities here and how people would be, like... It's never, like, a businessman who's, like, oh, I'm barely here. This is a room, <laughs> like, up, upstairs. It's, like, I'll be right down the hall. And I'm, like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Sounds lovely. So, mm. yeah. Especially, like, I, well, I don't know, like... I feel like I do pass, or at least I do a college. When I'm, you know, kind of... Like, I, I don't always pass at home, for sure, because of just, you know, my body, like, facial mm-hmm. hair and stuff. Um, still kind of getting my electrolysis and laser. And um, the idea of, like, I feel like I could pass and, like, it wouldn't be an issue in the girls only kind of space to rent. But then... You're kind of having or, to worry about that you know sort of, like, I mean? can you open up? You know, can you... Because it's... Yeah. One of the big privileges of being... The great thing is about being a trans person in the middle of the communities you can open up and be free and be open and just not have to hide anything but if you're renting in a kind of cis only space where there's only cis people in the place you're and you can't open up about it it's it creates a kind of like it encourages dysphoria if anything like that or just kind of like a self-consciousness about well what do i look like how do people perceive me yeah. You know, it's you're kind of in that cis gaze all the time if you're living in that sort of space. And I've lived in that sort of space before, and it is, it's painful, you know? And, you know, it's, you know, it's tough. It's, you know, <laughs> navigating this market as a trans person is I have, just... I have some of my family who's a bit like that, where whenever they come over, they show up, and I'm kind of just lounging around the house in my pajamas or something. They'll start commenting on what I'm wearing around the house. It's like, okay, I don't go out just like this. Like, I'm, like, literally, I haven't shaved today because I want to shave tomorrow because I have to go out tomorrow and I can only get a close shave. Otherwise, everyone will see, like, the stubble tomorrow. Exactly. I've been there too. And it's, yeah, yeah, that's, it's the tough thing. And especially with, like, the only affordable places you're going to have any chance to find at all are going to be rooms with shared accommodation, you know? So, If that's your I, only option. I, I had, I was dating someone who, um, they weren't, they were here on a visa. And, um, so not, like not much money and all that. And they were kind of looking for somewhere cheap. They were sharing a one bedroom apartment with four people. There was, yeah. Right. So there's two, <laughs> of them, two of them in the bedroom and then the sitting room kind of space. It was all connected to the kitchen, but like sitting room space, instead of a sofa, they had a bunk bed where the two, two boys were sleeping. And it's like, and they had to share the bathroom between them, and it was like tiny, tiny space. Oh dear God! Yeah, it was like, oh my God, I don't know. I mean, that couldn't have been legal, but yeah. obviously I didn't want to. But I was like afraid. I obviously couldn't say that in the room because, you know, she wouldn't have had anywhere else to stay. Yeah, but of course, these sort of like these things are not new. The, the, this sort of no. an issue has been around since the Celtic Tiger. It's been, and it's only been getting worse. I remember because I'm originally Lithuanian. And I remember when my family first moved to Ireland when I was about five years old, we were in that sort of same space where we had, we're staying in one bedroom apartment, like myself, my parents, like I was five years old at the time. My little brother who was just born was in a cot in the corner. That was how we lived for like a good five years, you know, for my entire time I was in primary school. You know, it's, that's still going on, you know, it's still, and then people, and then the government are obviously pushing for, you know, HAP or these sort of solutions that just kind of subsidize it that are just short-term solutions rather than any kind of you know it's 
Like people, it's it's an, it's a basic need. It's not even a right or like you need it or you'll die. Like well, you won't die, but like you can't really function. No. Yeah. You can like die all living on the street, and people. Oh know, God, we there are a lot of stories serious. of that, aren't there? Yeah. A thing of where oh I don't want to see tents in Dublin City. Like I oh, can't see yeah. tents. It's not. It doesn't sit right with me. It ruins me business. The ambiance. It's like. The ambiance, bitch. <laughs> this place doesn't have a good ambiance. It's like move to a different country where you can be like a snooty asshole. Mm-hmm. Like or jump in the Liffey. Like, either or. I think he was a bald man. So like, I don't remember your name, Baldy. Not to discredit bald people, but like. But yes, I guess I'll ask another question and change my tone. <laughs> But what has been, I guess it seems like when you found Small Trans Library to bring it back, that it was a great like community space. And do you feel that it was the first community space that you felt like you found, I would say peace, but like a connection? Was it the first? Um, I'd say so. Um, like I said, when I was in the Netherlands, I went to some other events okay, similarly. Yeah. And there are a few around if you in other cities there's a lot of stuff you know if you go look for it um but i think small trans library was the first one i found in ireland you know it was the first one because you know it was because i'm like i said when i got back from the netherlands i didn't have any friends i didn't especially no queer friends or kind of trans friends or anything like that but it was a great opportunity to find oh here's community here here's <laughs> and it's funny going going from being kind of introverted for a long time and going to the library it was a great way for me to kind of find my own voice and being like, oh, you know, here, th- I can do things. I can, and they had people surrounding me who said, you can do things. Here are th- or events you can organize. Here's stuff you can do. Here's just things you can go to. And it was great to start bouncing around. And I remember I did, um, um, what's the name of that? Uh, the Myers-Briggs tests, you know, those kind of like, yeah. uh, those codes. The personality tests. The personality tests things. I remember doing one back when I was in, before I was in the Netherlands, I remember it told me I was an introvert type. And then I did it a couple couple of months ago and it told me I was an extrovert type. And I associate that entirely with the kind of influence the library had on me. It brought out this ability, you know, when you're trans especially, it's always, you have this heavy feeling of self-consciousness. You have this heavy feeling of like, everyone's staring at me. I'm being looked at, I'm being oath. But when you have introduced that community space, stop caring about it because you've got people who are got your back you know you've got that people who just say i'll defend you if somebody says crap to you i will be behind you and that is what i found in the library and what i found in other groups that i bounce off from the library that like it gave gives you confidence to be around people who are like you who will have your back you know and it's invaluable you know and trans community groups are just the bomb like they're the best, you know, and all their wakes, chips, of course, all, all of them, you know. Yeah. Of course. Even when speaking with other people that we've had on this podcast, and it's just like no group or like group of people is the same. It's like when people are like, oh, they're trans community. It's not like a monolith. Yeah. There's different people like within their trans community. Everyone has their own interests, is yeah. the thing, you know, um, and everyone finds their strengths and weaknesses and goes into where they want. It's always the, always the challenge is always to, find the one that works for you you know the library was one that i found that worked for me and you know obviously sometimes there just isn't one that's perfect for you yeah. and that's why we often have groups that splinter off and find their own and make their own groups and you know one of the base renter groups recently has been the trans writers union set up by one of our librarians james hudson who you know like He's been organizing events. Of course, the big thing has been the Irish Times boycott recently. That has been going leaps and bounds superly well, you know, just to say, don't read the Irish Times and don't, please, especially don't write for the Irish Times if you can, because, well, I'm sure we'll be getting into it later, but they're, uh, they have not been kind to our community, to say the least. Um, but like back to the Trans Writers Union, they've been, you know, we've been working together very closely for a long, for quite a while now. And they branched off from us and it was a fantastic effort. And you know, one of the big things we're doing with the trans writers union at the moment is organizing. It depends on when this episode airs, but around, I think applications should close around end of September, but we're host in November. We're going to be doing a mentorship program 
together, um, which is about writing and publishing and agents and all these different things about how how to navigate being a trans writer in a professional writing world, basically. Um, and we had the, I, they've been organizing a lot of different professionals, queer professionals across the industry to speak about how the writing literary, professional literary world is in Ireland and getting people kind of practical tips, um, which I'm very much looking forward to and I think is going to be a fantastic project. And it's not amazing. So it's more literary than journalism. It's a bit of everything. I think, I think it, again, I think the trans writers union very much works in the same way as the library was just like, if people come on with a certain skill, they just use that skill to benefit. So if there's somebody who comes with journalism experience, I'm not personally part of the Trans Writers Union myself, yeah. but it's the, the, the mentorship program specifically, it's more about kind of written works and kind of published works more than um, journalism specifically. But Yeah, but still, we obviously love books here. Yeah, well, me specifically, but that's kind of what I'm about. I do too. Yeah, the more the merrier. Yeah. <laughs> so, so would that cover like, I know you're saying like, right, like, um, journalism, but then like, well, oh God, what's the word again? Things for like fun, I guess. And like, um, Jules, what's that word? Well, like pieces. What do you oh, mean? So, bad. so, so bad like the <laughs> recreational, yes, recreational kind of stuff. Yeah, you like to work on your inner prose. <laughs> and no, it's some more like that. It's much more professionally focused. Yeah. It's more about okay. writing, say, stories, writing non-fictional works, but how to get that work out there how to navigate things like royalties query letters such as like do you need an agent do you need what can what like how do you navigate being a trans person in the industry and things like that you know that sounds really amazing stuff like that so it depends on when this goes out i think applications close to sign up anyone can sign up by the way you don't necessarily have to be a professional in their field you don't have to be a writer it's just if you have an interest you're welcome to sign up and uh I believe you have, you know, it depends on when it goes up, but we're hoping the application should close at the start of October and then the show, sh- the actual mentorship program should start around November or so. so. Well, yeah, I think we'll have this out late September. So this when people will be hearing us. So you have to hop in quick. <laughs> but yeah, we can put it up before. Like we'll say like, oh, we have Greta's and Trans Library coming up and we can like put it on our Instagram or Twitter. Well, while we're discussing these things, another thing that, is coming up as well as also our work with the uh, Gay Sim Festival. So oh, yeah, yeah. So currently, I think this will probably close by the time this goes out. But we have been doing a bit of a giveaway recently with like I remember going out to Lighthouse Cinema, buying up tickets for our little giveaway of four sets of tickets for four different films, um, which are very exciting for. They're all going to be played for the Gay Sim Festival. So I think the four are Rarani, which was our our kind of small trans library recommends film for the small tra- for the gays film festival which was okay. a really good we just, all of us sat down and watched a couple of the films and uh you know Rangi stood out as like our big one so it's about a new zealander uh trans guy who comes back to his school community town and tries to navigate his uh his you know old family he hasn't been back home in 10 years we absolutely love the story and we much recommend people to check it out um uh, but there's also lots of other films. I think what the ones we are doing for a giveaway are also Lola and the Sea, which is a French film about a trans woman uh, mourning uh, her mother and also trying to come out to her father. Um, uh, Rebel Dykes, which I think is a documentary on uh, lesbian culture uh, in butch communities, which I hear is very good. I haven't seen it myself. And uh, another one called a, a Trans Shorts kind of collection, which is sounds very good as well. So... Check them out. Oh, yeah. I think the festival is running from ooh, end of September to early October. I think ends yeah. October 3rd, if I remember right. I think so. I feel like it's the 29th to the 3rd or something like that. Something like that, yeah. So, yes, people, go along. Be gay in a cinema. You can like, uh, volunteer for that, can't you? I don't know. Because no? I did the two years previous to COVID, but I didn't see anything volunteering this year. Because so I, I think, why aren't you doing that to kind of, well, you get to see the movies as you volunteer too, don't you? Yes. The last year I literally went to go see The Little Mermaid because it was all like, 
and film screening their kids and stuff. And I was like, um, can I be put on the Little Mermaid time? So like, yes, I went to see the Little Mermaid at like 11 o'clock with some children and their parents. And I was like, oh, this is a great way to spend a Sunday. I mean, Adorable. So not that I love Disney, but I was like, oh, hello. But okay. We are wrapping. I mean, we're at the 45 minute mark. So. Uh oh. Would you like. I guess we've been through the stuff that you want to like promote. So, Alicia wants to know do you have any advice for younger trans people? Any advice? Ooh. Um, Maybe like about finding community? Yeah. I think that's what I'm trying to. That's definitely the one I want to say. Definitely yeah. how to find it. I think. Be brave. I think it's a big one. If you find something that sounds remotely interesting to you, go out. You know, don't... Even if it seems like it's maybe going to be... Mm, give it a shot. You know, you know. I know, especially with organizing the Trans Day Ass recently, I very much tried to organize the buddy system recently because I know how scary those sort of things can be. Going to your first community event, I really much encourage you to go if you're nervous. I think it's really good to find your community because it gives you so much confidence and gives you so much also knowledge about how to navigate cis spaces because here's the thing we have a lot of we've been around for a long time all of us have all trans people have different experiences and we all have our own little tips and tricks and you can exchange your, your notes you know um and especially as well you know if you, those spaces aren't available to you read you know there's a lot of history there's a lot of history in the community and keep in mind that trans people weren't born yesterday we weren't we are not a modern idea you know we have existed for centuries there's a lot of history to it and find podcasts find books and if you can't find anything that works for you give us an email we'll give you recommendations because we there's a lot of stuff and just keep in mind you're part of a history you're part of a long long story that is ongoing you know and just stay strong uh you know i'm just thinking as well like i i just um kind of famous media trans people the shining was uh orchestrated you know the, the shining the here's jack or whatever, yeah was by orchestrated by a trans woman and the matrix was obviously made by the two trans sisters yeah um, i, forget I hear that you're one who did the shining i forget her name off the top of my head i hear she's a bit of a She's a little bit of a recluse, from what I hear. Really? I think she passed away. Did she? I can't remember, because we were, we were, look, we were talking about her a while back, and I mentioned a trans person who was quite famous and uh, yeah. passed away. I think it might have been her. God. Yeah. But I, yeah. Okay, hold the phone. Wendy no. Carlos is not dead, y'all. I she did not think living. so. And it's Wendy it? Carlos. She's just 81. Yeah. You can be a recluse <laughs> and be 81. I support yeah. But no, I hear she's a bit protective of her music and stuff. And, uh, oh, really? Yeah. Which is very fair. Um, yeah. I, you know, totally cool. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, absolutely, even beyond that, there's just, you know, there's people who like, you know, 1700s, there's trans folks about, you know, there's obviously it's difficult to judge who's who um, because, of course, our modern inventions of pronouns and our categories are all very modern ideas. But, you know, there's definitely, you know, what was once a drag queen back in that? That they're like, just just being people and societies that don't fit this gender kind of, which I I think if you're not cis, then you kind of fall under the trans umbrella. It might not be trans in the same way we are trans now today but you know yeah yeah it's all brilliant history i mean there's an there's a particular story i remember from reading about in a recent book actually where is oh, i forget um but there's a particular thing about like i think it was in the 1700s there was this law that existed in the uk that was <clears throat> basically um, it's still a law that exists today, in fact. Um, in Ireland, the UK, a lot of common law countries, in New Zealand, especially, there was a big uh, court case in 2012. But it was kind of, it's existed in UK common law for, like, centuries. Um, there's one particular story about this guy who 
historians are debating whether there's a trans man because we're not even sure the person's name is all very vague because all kind of based on this the only two sources we really have on it are case notes and um this satirical story thing that was written about but basically it's about this guy trans man who identified who you know was working as a um a quack doctor um kind of this is basically the only kind of career he could have. And he married a bunch of different women throughout his life and lived a very promiscuous life. Um, but one, one of his wives toward the end of his life, um, was no way it wasn't towards the end of his life. Um, uh, you know, he often had sex with a, uh, a dildo and they, and his wife never complained, never, I don't think she even realized about it because, sex education was shit back then um but apparently one of the neighbors found out and reported him to the to the police and because it was it's a basically it was a crime to uh mislead your partner to the, to your sex um during sexual intercourse so for example you know say you're a trans man and you have sex with your partner and you mislead them to say that you're a cis man so you don't identify to them in advance that you're in fact uh, trans and it's a law that still exists today and in fact there have been many cases recently particularly against trans men you know mis- you know the prosecution would claim that this person misled person to think that they were a cis man when in fact they were actually a woman which of course they're not they're a trans person and mm. uh like i said it's still a law that exists today and it's one of these in ireland there's no as far as i know no big cases that have taken place in ireland but there are big ones in the uk and in New Zealand, and it's still on the books here. I think it's called fraud as to gender. If you want to look it up, it's basically a kind of a subsection of sexual assault. But, wow! All right. Yeah. So would that be similar to like the trans panic? It's very much something? part of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, one of those. It's one of the many things that kind of tie to it. Um, it's one of the things I've learned in my law career so far, <laughs> which is still only a year old, but I'm learning fine that. things. I really want to go back to like the 60s or the 70s and everyone there was the whole satanic panic, satanism panic or like in America. Like that just seems more entertaining and like, how would I put it, less targeting a minority group. Okay, we can't fully know that. It's like sometimes you, I wouldn't say romanticize the past, but this, we have an idea of the past that just because there's like less internet, it was maybe like, but I don't know, maybe I'm just being a little bit of the bitch and be like, oh, girl. <laughs> Look, I just don't want transphobia, okay? Well, yeah, there was always transphobia then. Or any other, like, aim-targeted discrimination. Um, But yeah. thank you, Greta, for so much for today. Yeah, thank, thank you for inviting me. Tidbit. I know we totally, like, went off there on the story, but... um, Oh, no, it's fun to talk about anything and everything. It's kind of a chat. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um... Thanks. Thank you for listening. Thank you to viewers or listeners. Yeah. Thank you. Um, we'll be back soon. Yeah, and mm-hmm. make sure you check out our Twitter and Instagram, and, and check out smalltranslibrary.org or our social media. Um, we do a lot of stuff, primarily our Twitter. Uh, so check us out. That's yeah. translib dub. I think is the one we changed it to. We recently changed it to clear it up between us and Glasgow. So at yeah. translib dub, uh, I believe. Thank you so much, Anna. Bye. Bye.